gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to Sporting Dog Adventures. I was able to wrestle my wife away from her busy life to sit down and have another podcast with us. And today we are going to talk about puppy proofing slash dog proofing your house so that people kind of understand what we need to do prior to that furry little monster coming home. And we thought this would be really timely and relevant with the number of um, new dogs that people are bringing into their homes right now between, you know, pandemic and quarantine and people working from home short term, people working from home long term. The dog business is going absolutely insane right now. So you have record numbers of people taking home puppies or just, you know, new dogs to their home. So we thought now would be a really good time to go over some of these tips because um, there are a lot of things that maybe if you haven't had a, a puppy or a new dog in your home in a long time, you may have forgotten about or never thought about to begin with. So where do we start? We're going to pick out our puppy. We've got him. We've bought him. We're bringing him home. But a couple of weeks before we get to that point, we need to make some changes. Yep, you definitely need to go through your house, and it's almost like you're bringing home a baby. It really is pretty similar. So you need to go through basically room by room and pretty much identify any sort of uh, chewing hazards, electrical hazards, chemical hazards, fall hazards, anything like that, just like you would if you were bringing home an infant. So just for this room, for example, we're in our kitchen. So you'd want to go through and there are two staircases at either end. You would probably want to make sure you've got a baby gate or some sort of gate so the dog is not going up and then consequently falling down or if you have even worse yet stairs that go down to like a basement make sure there's either a door or a gate um, cords obviously get the cords up and out of the way as best as you can um, phone cords uh, like for charging things laptop cords definitely get that out of the way um, not only might your puppy chew it but the one thing even our grown dogs do to me all the time is they come crashing through and they will get tangled in the cord and your computer is going to go flying so you don't want that so looking for cords and things like that, um, making sure that they don't have any access to chemicals. You can buy really fancy devices to lock your cabinets off from children. I actually just take a hair rubber band and I put it around the, the knobs on the um, cabinets. I twist one end around and then I kind of make an X shape and I twist the other end of the rubber band around the other handle. That keeps them shut perfectly fine. Making sure you don't have any chemicals out. Um, looking for house plants. Make sure you do a Google search and find out if you have house plants. If any of those house plants are toxic to dogs, even outside plants. I know oh, Japanese yeah. yew, which is kind of like the '70s rock star for for, <laughs> for landscaping. For landscaping, which is like the little little, I don't know, like an evergreen type bush. Short little thing. One bite of that is is fatal to a dog. Fatal. Yep. So if it's uh, right now, we're doing this podcast during the winter, so obviously you can't see any of our landscaping and obviously if we had a puppy right now that wouldn't really be a terribly big issue 
If you're taking your puppy home and you live in a warm weather climate, or it's a cold weather climate but it happens to be spring or summer, yeah, Google search the plants in your yard, plants, shrubs, bushes, whatever, and make sure that they're not toxic. And look at your bat, like your bathroom cleaners, your kitchen cleaners. Uh, what most people don't realize is when you get like a toilet bowl cleaner, some of those cleaners have sulfuric acid in them. So if a dog would bite into that and get it into its mouth, it could create a whole lot of issues with their mouth. But if they swallow it, it can be fatal. Yeah. Uh, people have stuff out for rodents. Oh, that's amazing. I had uh, two dogs eat decon. Well, it was one dog ate the decon. This is when I had two dogs started out. And we got her to puke, and then the other dog ate the puke. <laughs> so then we had to make that dog puke. And then I had to dig it and bury it because we didn't want him to eat it again. But decon is, obviously, it kills mice. It will kill your dog. Common things, get good habits, re- remote controls. We've lost a lot of remote controls, which is frustrating in its own. But if they eat the batteries... That's real bad news then. You've got a lot, again, a lot of different acids that are in there that are going to be quite hazardous to your dog. You may catch it in time, but you're still going to have to take them to the emergency room and you're going to have to pay quite a bit to get that dog to give the batteries back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that's even less obvious perhaps than chemicals or plants or batteries or things like that, the dog's own food or other pet's food, cat food, anything like that, dogs will literally eat themselves to death. If they break into the food, they will eat it and eat it until they could get sick and die. We've actually switched or we have like a vault. They, they it's sell, called they the sell vault. The story, a dog yeah. food vault where it's got a screw on top. I don't know why we didn't have it sooner, but we have that now because we've had, I don't know how many times where we've had to get our dogs to, where we've had to induce vomiting to get the food out of them. They, they, they come out, they, they look like a, a blood-filled tick. They're so full. Yeah. And it's not for lack of trying. We had the food in various other types of Tupperware, other bins, other canisters, in cabinets, locked in closets, you name it. Somehow, if you've turned your back just for a second or just long enough, they find a way to do it. So, yeah, we love these vaults. They have these, like, screw-on type lids. You can get them at, like, PetSmart or online, but they're wonderful. No matter how hard the dog tries, there's very little likelihood, you know, unless they're part bear, that they're going to get into those, and they're absolutely wonderful. But, yeah, make sure that the dog's own food or any other pet's food is really well out of the way. We've definitely dealt with uh, our issues with the amount of dogs we've had in over 20-some years, and it's funny because the number one thing I find where people where they have dogs that... They're like, I don't understand why my dog's fat. And my gosh, they're so gassy. My first question is always, do you have a cat? And the answer is invariably usually yes. Cat food has about three times the calories as regular dog food. So one, if they eat a cup of cat food, that's like eating three or four cups of dog food. And two, because it's so rich, it gives them diarrhea. It gives them gas. It makes them very smell very, very unpleasant (laughs) and fat. So... Always look and, and, and realize, okay, this is a, something that could be a problem. That could be a problem. Go through your entire house. Room by room. Yeah, room by room. Now, as far as cords, what do you suggest with that? It, it's, you're always going to have stuff that's plugged in. You are. Like, you know, a lot of older homes in particular don't have um, light fixtures that are, you know, mounted in the ceiling. So you have lamps and things like that. The best you can do is keep the cord, you know, as out of the way as possible. 
Um, if you know your dog is, as a puppy, only going to be in a portion of the house, then just making sure that that area of the house that the dog is in is secured, whether that's by doors or French doors or a doggy gate or whatever it is. So you can kind of have your normal life on one side of the gate until the dog is well-trained and the puppy's on the other side of the gate and he's safe until then. Um, otherwise, relocating things like in the case of my laptop, not having my laptop somewhere dumb where the puppy is going to be, where it's going to chew the cord and or knock the device clear off the table. So, All dogs also need to have their place. So you need to have a good crate. Uh, many of the crates come where there's, you can section them and make them small to begin with for potty training. And with potty training, you're going to do an hour in the crate, hour out of the crate. Take them outside every two hours with that schedule so that you're working on your potty training. But then once you get them used to that crate, it's it's great because when you have people at first come over and it's ex everyone's excited, you can put the dog away until things calm down. The dog will actually go in there and lay in there. Our dogs are constantly yeah. almost fighting over who gets to lay in the crate because that's their safe place. They've been raised that that was a good thing for them to be in there. And past the first couple of days where they fussed about it, they're comfortable in there and they want to go in there. I still remember when we used to, uh, when we traveled the TV show, I would always take a crate in for Rommel. Rommel would lay in the crate with the door open. And if he couldn't find it, he would go lay in the bathtub. Yes. <laughs> He'd go He'd lay in the, the shower bathtub. stall or the bathtub. Yes. Yeah, he wanted that small area. And he was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is my space. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'd have that. You'd, you'd have to actually call him out and he'd be like looking around like, are we going outside? And He'd let you pet him, and then he'd walk right back in. Toward his later years, he would sleep on the bed and, and got to where he thought that was pretty pretty darn cool. But, yeah, when he was younger, after after he uh, went training, we traveled a lot, he would just sit right in the crate. Yep, he preferred it. It's like their own room, their own space. They feel secure there. We just leave the door to the crate open all the time so they can go in any time they like. But, yeah, just, you know, go through your house room by room. Um, bedrooms, for example, maybe that's just a place that is off off limits for your dog if your kids have a lot of toys and you're realizing you're going to lose the battle of making sure that they're always picked up and that you know barbie isn't on the ground and legos aren't on the ground because they are going to eat those just maybe keep those doors shut if you have your room and you've got a lot of cords in there and your husband is leaving his medication on the nightstand or this or that maybe that's a room you just make sure the door is shut all the time well thank you so much for the tips today, my lovely bride. I appreciate it. Stay tuned for a great training tip followed by a hunting tip after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I wanted to talk about our training tip today, which is how to teach a puppy to come here. Now again, if you're house puppy pals, puppies dogs are very food motivated. So teaching a puppy the hear command is actually quite simple. One, keep in mind you have to have good body language, which call a puppy, bend over slightly at the waist or get down on a knee, and use good voice inflection. So you're going to use a good quality voice with a lot of happiness in it. Basically like this. Here, come here boy, here. So that the puppy understands, wow, they really want me there. I'd also throw in their name. So if the puppy's name is Sport, here Sport, come here Sport, good boy. Give them that positive voice inflection, give them that positive body language, and then the magic trick is going to be using a treat. You're going to put your hand down 
close fist and when the puppy comes to your hand, open it up and there's a treat inside. Now you're going to do this every time for about a week and then when you've got a puppy that comes to you just wants to sit down right next to you because you are the treat person, you are going to substitute every other time with positive praise which is really loving up on the pup and petting them, telling them good dog, petting them, scruffing their head and making that the reward as opposed to the food. With puppies, I use food treats and food rewards for about a month while I'm teaching their commands and then just slowly phase it out with that uh, payment, which is being praised, petting them, and giving them lots of positives. So I hope that helps for this training tip. Stay tuned after this for our hunting tip coming up. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. For today's hunting tip, I wanted to talk about what I am going to do after I went and checked out all of my duck blinds. I am going to actually only put in one more duck blind this year, and I'm going to do a lot of work on shoring up and fixing the cover and what is on my duck blinds that I currently have. I'm probably like a lot of people. You get duck blinds, you think you need more and more and more. And I looked at them, and I was actually pretty embarrassed at what our duck blinds looked like at the end of season this last year. So we are going to reinforce the outside with a camel cover, as well as either the store-bought reeds, where they come in a mat, or I've got some plastic ones that I am going to actually paint for the cover uh, color that we have so that a few of my blinds I can have where they'll be good for probably five years. And then on the other ones, I'm going to use the rolled mats where you can roll them out and staple them to the blinds as a way to really help put my blinds in a better place. The other thing that we do at our marsh is we will go out when there's a little bit high water and there are always cattail mats that are floating. We will pull the cattails over. We will actually tie them right to the uh, to the blinds. And hopefully, what I am in theory thinking, we've had high water the last three years. Three years. Hopefully, as the water drops, these cattail mats are going to drop as well, grow roots, and stay in that area where we can build out every year with the cattail mats and basically make a mat grow right around the blinds. We won't have one in front of the dog door, but that will help greatly for making our blinds more natural. So again, instead of our hunting properties putting in a bunch of blinds, we're going to actually take care of the ones we have here, starting probably in spring, and have that stuff all set by midsummer, so that once we get a hunting get to hunting season, we don't really have to worry about it. So that is my hunting tip: is don't worry about expanding to having more but really reinforce for the next season what you already have. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I really appreciate you guys stopping in. If you can, please like us on the platform you're on, and please share us with your friends. We want to grow our podcast. We aren't asking for anything other than just telling your friends about us, the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Take care. Have a great week. God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.